It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Three, two, one. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Welcome yeah. to everybody episode 6. We- yeah. You're the podcast. This week America. The Air Sports Podcast presented by Betfred Sportsbook. It is Friday, March 17, 2023. People, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day. I hope everybody's bracket is looking a little bit better than mine. And I hope everybody is ready for what should be a fun, fast-paced, quick episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Here is what you need to know about today's show. Essentially, this is just going to be a quick reaction to everything that happened on the court on Thursday on day one of the NCAA tournament. We'll get out of here very quickly because you got more games to watch here on Friday. Going to open the show. We will obviously talk about the two Major upsets that happened on Thursday. Arizona getting knocked off by Princeton. Another two seed goes down. Third year in a row that has happened. What does it mean for Arizona? What does it mean for Tommy Lloyd, where the honeymoon may be over for him in Tucson? A little bit, not saying he's a bad coach, just reality. From there, we will go to the other big upset as Virginia falls to Furman, Virginia, we got to talk about them. Are they more about that 2019 title? Are they more about losing in the first round? There is a deep, interesting conversation to be had about Virginia. We'll take a quick break, come back, and we will hit on the rest of the day in college hoops. Duke rolls. Uh, Houston, I thought, struggled and did not look good. The Big Ten all of a sudden looking pretty good with Northwestern and Penn State and Maryland playing well. The SEC overall having a pretty good day outside of Texas A&M. So a lot to react to, quick reaction to those first two major upsets, and then from there we will get to everything else. Before we get started, very quickly though, I do want to say one thing. I want to thank two entities very specifically. One, I want to thank you guys and girls for signing up for the Aaron Torres Pod Bracket Challenge presented by Bracket Fanatics. The entries were huge. I appreciate everybody signing up. By the way, shout out to me. I'm a great friend. I had Arizona in the national championship game, so you don't got to worry about me winning my own pool. I am here to give you guys and girls money, and I appreciate everybody signing up. But I also appreciate Bracket Fanatics. So this is now the third year in a row that I've worked with Bracket Fanatics. They have been an incredible resource for us. They did our NFL Pick'em Challenge, and I just want to remind you, just because the NCAA tournament ends or just because it's begun, it doesn't mean that our work with Bracket Fanatics is done. One 
Excited to probably work with them again during the NFL season next year. But also just a quick reminder, if you like sports and it has a bracket, Bracket Fanatics has you covered. Whether it's the NCAA tournament, whether it's the NFL Pick'em Challenge, whether it's uh, soccer, tennis, I'm told they've done cricket brackets. So if you're a big cricket guy or girl, they do brackets for that. Again, thank you to Bracket Fanatics. And as always, you can start, you, you don't have to just join the Aaron Torres Pod Bracket Challenge. You can start your own brackets. You can do it for pay. You can do it for free. Bracketfanatics.com has all your bracket needs. With that said, though, let's not waste any more time. Let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, bottom line, end of story, the first Thursday of the 2023 NCAA tournament is going to be defined by two major upsets. We'll get to Virginia in a minute, but if we're being perfectly honest, I don't know that Virginia was all that shocking. So instead, let's focus on Arizona because Arizona comes in as about a 13, 14 point favorite in the Betfred Sportsbook, the two seed in the South region. If you listen to Wednesday's show, I thought it was good for them to get out of the West. They play in Sacramento in their opener. They play a Princeton team as a 15 seed that you thought they were going to roll over. And instead, they fall to Princeton in what was just the 11th ever number two seed to fall in the opening round of the NCAA tournament. Although, ironically, this is now the third year in a row that we have seen a two seed fall. Two years ago, it was Ohio State losing to Oral Roberts in round one. Last year, it was, of course, St. Peter's beating Kentucky. This year, it was Arizona falling to Princeton. And what's interesting about the Arizona thing is a couple things. One, I think you could argue it was both surprising and not surprising at all. Now, why it was surprising? It was surprising because Arizona had one of the most impressive resumes in college basketball this year. If you do what the committee does, which is look at everything from the opening day of the season until the last day of the season, um, you could argue Arizona had as impressive a resume as anybody. Beat UCLA twice in the conference, in the out-of-conference, won the Maui Invitational, beat San Diego State and Creighton there, beat Indiana on a neutral court, beat Tennessee. This was a really good team who, at its best, proved that they can play with and beat anybody. The problem is, and why this also probably shouldn't be that surprising, is that this team was also one of the most inconsistent teams all year. For as great as they were against Indiana and San Diego State and two out of three wins against UCLA, this was also a team that lost at home to Washington. This was a team that lost at Stanford. This was a team that got smacked at Oregon. And so it felt like, and it's interesting because when I look back on me taking Arizona to go so far in this tournament, I wasn't worried about a potential Elite Eight game with Arizona or with Alabama or a Final Four game. I was worried about the, the probably not so much the opening round. I was worried about a second round game against Missouri or Utah State. I was worried about a Sweet 16 game against a lower seeded team. I felt like if they could get to the Elite Eight, they matched up well with Alabama. Shame on me for believing that they could get there, though. And so as I look back on this game and I look back on this season, I think two things stand out to me. One, this probably was, in hindsight, and I blame myself because I believed him as much as anybody, this probably was a flawed team to begin with, but I'll also say this. Year two, two, you know, a one seed last year and a two seed this year. I think for the first time, the honeymoon's a little bit over for Tommy Lloyd, and that's not a criticism. It's not saying he's a bad coach. It's not saying he's the right person for the job. 
But I do think that there he he's almost walked on water since he's got to Tucson. And I do think, again, that honeymoon's over. Now, in terms of this Arizona team, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens this offseason and what this program looks like going forward. Because last year, obviously, look, Tommy Lloyd inherited a totally stacked deck. And to his credit, and we've talked about it many times, I thought Tommy Lloyd did as good of a job with last year's group as anybody possibly could have done. Ben Matherin, first-round pick, was maybe the best player in college basketball at various points last year. Christian Coloco, Dalen Terry, both guys that were drafted early in last year's NBA draft, the top, top, you know, three top 35 picks overall. And then you had guys like Asulis Tubelis. You had guys like Kirk Creasy. You had guys like Umar Balo, who all played meaningful roles and meaning had meaningful impact on last year's team. But this year, if you if you really go back and look, this kind of was a sort of flawed team all year. You look at this team outside of Asulis Tubelis, who was a phenomenal player, second team AP All-American. This was a team that pretty much every other spot in every other game, you didn't know what you were going to get. Kirk Kreisa, um, who I, I I enjoy him. A lot of people don't like him. But there is now a two-year trend with Kirk Kreisa, where he is great against inferior competition. And in big games and big moments, I think that size and athleticism and skill overwhelms him. This was a guy that fouled out of both UCLA win the last two UCLA games that Arizona played. This was a guy that I believe had six points against Princeton on on Thursday in the opener. This was a guy that got ran off the court against Houston last year. And so it's not all on him. Courtney Ramey, who I hyped as a transfer, I will readily admit, was a disappointment this year. Pella Larson, a, a kind of a hybrid forward, didn't really evolve. And so part of this is it was just a flawed roster that, frankly, Tommy Lloyd probably overachieved with a little bit. But at the same time, I do think that, as I said a minute ago, I do think that the honeymoon is a little bit over for Tommy Lloyd. Again, does it make him a bad coach? Does it make him a bad person? By all accounts, every time I've been around him, I think he's an you know just a good dude. But this was a guy that really, up until Thursday, had done no wrong as the Arizona coach and now, I think, I don't really want to say there's questions about him right now today, but I do think there are questions about him going forward. Because as I said, and I've talked about this before, you can criticize Sean Miller for a lot, but Sean Miller left the cupboard full for him. And so again, to Tommy Lloyd's credit, he did about as much as anybody could have possibly done with last year's roster, Pac-12 regular season title, Pac-12 tournament title, number one seed, Sweet 16. But you did lose in the Sweet 16 last year. You did lose in round one this year. And I think, you know, the Arizona fans are rightly starting to get restless. They're rightly starting to get restless because Arizona is one of these programs. Listen, they're not defined by what happens in the regular season. They're defined by getting to the tournament, being in a position to have success in the tournament, and winning in the tournament, right? It's like, think about, you know, some of the other programs that we talk about regularly on this show. We're going into a Friday NCAA tournament where Dan Hurley kind of has to beat Rick Pitino. Why? Because this is now year five for Dan Hurley. This will be his third straight NCAA tournament. UConn fans at some point, you got to win in March. That is the expectation in March in, in at UConn. John Calipari, he's won a lot of regular season games. He hasn't won enough in the tournament when it matters. And Arizona is one of those schools. You're not defined as the Arizona coach by beating Washington State and Oregon State and Cal and Washington and Stanford in the regular season. 
You're defined by what do you do in March? How far do you get all that good stuff? Now, I will say, to be abundantly clear, any coach can have two bad NCAA tournament games. Listen, John Calipari, as I record right now, is coming off of a loss to, to you know, we, we know what Calipari's resume is. Dan Hurley has not won an NCAA tournament game since he got to UConn. So this isn't to say that Tommy Lloyd can't do it, but now it is year two and we're going into year three. And I think, again, that honeymoon is over. Now it's not so much about what you do in the regular season. It's not. Now the expectation has been set. We expect you to win in the regular season. It's not the joy of year one. It's not the joy of year two. It's you need to get back to March and you need to perform. I think what will be interesting for Arizona is what this roster looks like next year. Because just about everybody can come back. Now, Courtney Ramey can't come back. Uh, Umar Balo is a senior, but I believe he has a year of eligibility left. And it'll be interesting to see what Kirk Reese, if Kirk Reese decides to come back for a fourth year, if Asulis Tubelis decides to come back for a fourth year. Because if they do, then it's going to be a lot of the same roster with a lot of the same expectations. Now, to Tommy Lloyd's credit, a couple interesting recruits coming in, specifically KJ Lewis, a top you know, 25, 30 prospect. Kylan Boswell was a five-star on campus this year, enrolled early. We didn't even know if he was going to play when he decided to enroll. And so he plays as a 17-year-old. Yes, it was discussed every Arizona game. And now, uh, it I don't know if it's going to be his team because Kirk Creasa could still be there. But again, Kylan Boswell, KJ Lewis, some transfer portal kids. This is going to be Tommy Lloyd's team. So again, not to say that other coaches haven't had two disappointing years back-to-back in the NCAA tournament. Not to say that Tommy Lloyd is the wrong guy. What I am saying is, though, you've set the standard in the regular season. We know you can win the games that you need to in the regular season. Now it's about getting back and having success in March. And I'll just say this. Two quick last thoughts on Arizona before we get to Virginia. The first one, one When a team tells you who they are during the regular season, believe them. I kept going back to that, watching this game, knowing how awful the pick was in my bracket. I'm not trying to make this about my bracket, but Arizona all year was inconsistent. Arizona all year played up to great competition and down to bad competition. And as I'm watching the Princeton game, I said they told me all year who they were. Why didn't I listen to them? Why didn't I believe them? Instead, they lose in round one. And two, lastly, I'll say this, man. Listen, you know, everybody kind of knows I've been a Sean Miller defender through the years for everything that he went through with the FBI and the media coverage and all that stuff. But one of the reasons why I defended Sean Miller, I'm like, I think he's a very good coach that never gets credit. And it's wild because at Arizona, the criticism of Sean Miller was, well, how good of a coach can he be? He's never made a Final Four. And it's like, well, it's really hard to make Final Four. But he made three Elite Eights, including one that I was at. By the way, two of them he lost by one point apiece. I was at the 2014 Elite Eight against Wisconsin. The final 10 minutes of that game was a one-possession game. Arizona loses in overtime. And so he made three Elite Eights during his time at Arizona, five Sweet 16s, and he left the cupboard completely full. Like, I think that, you know, he had a national championship caliber team when he was let go in the spring of 2021. And so I just bring it up because, you know, you know who looks good on Thursday night? Now, we'll see how his Xavier team does on Friday against Kennesaw State. But you know who looks good on Thursday night is Sean Miller. Because the guy that everybody was, oh, Tommy Lloyd this, and he's incredible that. 
Well, now back-to-back disappointments. Again, that's not even a criticism of Tommy Lloyd. It's just the fact that if, if, if the standard for a disappointing coach is can't get you to a Final Four, but he got you to three Elite Eights, that coach is probably pretty good. But just a disappointing night overall for Arizona. Um, and in one of the most shocking stats, I don't think people would believe this if I told them. Arizona has not been to the Final Four since 2001. A lot of good teams since then, uh, but they come up short, a little bit disappointing. I still believe in Tommy Lloyd, but he's going to have, you know, next year is going to be his team, and he's going to have a lot of questions to answer. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family vdw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With that said, let's get to the other big upset in the NCAA tournament on Thursday. And here's the funny part. I don't even know if you could call it an upset. So it was funny because I was hosting Fox Sports Radio on Thursday, uh, filling in for Doug Gottlieb. We came on at 3 p.m. Eastern time, 12 Pacific. And it was literally within minutes of Virginia losing to Furman. And my co-host, Dan Beyer, who I love, this is certainly not a criticism of him. He says, you know, he leads our show. We have our first big upset of the tournament. And I said, wait a second now, Dan. I said, based on who Virginia is and who they've been in this tournament, can we even call it an upset? And so as critical as I just was of Arizona, forgive me, because over the next five, 10 minutes, I'm going to go after Virginia because I think Thursday redefined who they are as a program. And I'll explain in a minute. Before I do, I think everybody knows, but Virginia, of course, was the four seed in what the 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 South region. They ho- they opened against the Furman team, first NCAA tournament appearance since 1980. They were about a six point favorite in the Betfred Sportsbook, and they were in control for a good chunk of this game. And then Furman makes their run. You think Furman's in a good position to win the game, and then what ends up happening? Oh, by the way, Virginia takes the lead. And how about this? They had a five point lead. They had a five-point lead with under 20 seconds to go. Virginia. Virginia has a five-point lead with under 20 seconds to go. Furman gets the ball. They drive. uh, They get fouled. They make both foul shots. Then the play of the game and maybe the defining play of the tournament so far. Virginia inbounds the ball. They get it to Kihei Clark, their star guard, a starter on this team since the 2019 National Championship year. He gets boxed into a corner. I uh, rather I don't think they I don't know if they had a t- I don't think they had a timeout, but rather than trying to throw it off the opponent, rather than trying to whatever, he just throws it up on the other side of the court, hoping that his teammate is there. Instead, it's intercepted by Furman. They drive down, they hit a three, boom, they go up one, and they end up winning. And so with this loss, this is kind of an incredible stat as far as I'm concerned. With this loss, 
Virginia has now, in the last four NCAA tournaments, how about this, that they have played in, they have lost in the first round three times, and they've won a national championship. And maybe in an even more incredible stat, how about this? In the last six years, they have won six NCAA tournament games. All six of them came in the 2019 national championship run. And so I bring it up because I am going to say something controversial that upset a lot of people on social media. But I believe at this point, we have to define Virginia more as a team that loses early in the tournament than we do the team that won the 2019 national championship. It might sound crazy. It might be offensive. It might be whatever. But I believe right now, Virginia's identity as a program is more about the early tournament losses than it is the 2019 national championship game. And I know what a lot of people will sit there and say, they'll say, Torres, well, you, you know, really, in my opinion, it's like the Herm Edwards thing, right? You play to win the game. You play to win the ultimate prize. And to Virginia's credit, they won the national championship in 2019. And nobody can take that away from them. And I totally get that. At the exact same time, though, what I would also say is this. Even their 2019 national championship game had a ton of luck involved. And I know every national champion is lucky. I get that. I'm not arguing with that. But think about that Virginia national championship run. They have the miracle to force overtime against Purdue in the Elite Eight. Ironically, of course, Kihei Clark was the player who made the pass that set up the shot. He was the guy that made the pass that lost the game on Thursday. You have the miracle in the Elite Eight. You have the play against Auburn in the Final Four that could have been a foul, should it have been a foul. It was a foul. Virginia gets foul shots. They end up beating Auburn. Then in the title game, people forget this. They've survived the Elite Eight. They survived the Final Four. They play in the title game. They were down three with 20 seconds to go to Texas Tech. Now, to their credit, they hit a three-point shot, forced overtime, and won it in overtime. But you just talk about a run that had ebbs and flows, peaks and valleys. I mean, there have been dominant runs where teams have not been tested like Virginia was. And so I look at Virginia, and and what strikes me is this. We now have a five-year sample size where, look, Virginia in the last six years has two extreme outlier situations. They have a team that lost as a one seed in the opening round of the NCAA tournament. They are still the only one seed to ever lose to a 16 seed. We all know that. That is an extreme outlier situation. And then winning a national championship is an outlier situation as well, right? Only one team does it every year. But at the same time, think about this. If I were to tell you which is more of the outlier, losing in the first round even as a one seed or winning a national championship for this Virginia team, wouldn't you say the outlier is actually winning the national championship, not losing as a one seed? Because this is now a pattern for them. In 2023, you lose as a four seed in the NCAA tournament in the opening round. 2022, you don't even make the NCAA tournament. 2021, you lose in the opening round. 2018, you lose in the opening round. By the way, 2017, you lost in the round of 32. And so I look at this program. To me, when I think Virginia and I think NCAA tournament, right now I'm thinking the team that usually gets upset earlier than they should based on their seeding, not the national championship. And it goes back to something I have said on this show for years. What I can tell you is the first year that I ever did this show was the year that they lost to UMBC. And I've told this story many times. But after they lost to UMBC, I remember that day talking to a a guy 
who was a coach that was part of national championship teams in the past. And what he said to me is, Aaron, he goes, I don't think you can win a national championship playing that way. Now, they obviously did, but his point was pretty straightforward. It was that when you play six different teams with six different styles, at some point, you can't always expect to beat everybody 63-61. And what is interesting, and I want to give my radio partner Dan Beyer credit on this, he brought up the good point as well, is that the style of play that they, they have, you're always going to be in close games. And so when I look at Virginia, what I've said for years, they are a team that is built to beat up on bad teams in the regular season. Just think about Virginia. How often do they just lose a weird game? I mean, everybody takes bad losses. Kentucky takes bad losses. Duke takes bad losses. North Carolina takes a bunch of bad losses this year. Virginia never takes bad losses because the way they play is so mistake-free. They play great defense. They get back in transition. They don't let you get easy baskets. And then they take 32, 33 seconds off the, or, you know, 27, 28 seconds off the clock every time. And then all of a sudden you get down and you start panicking. And so I just bring it up to say, this is not a criticism. It's just a reality is that right now, I think they're sort of at a crossroads as a program. You have that national championship. That'll never be taken away. But if you continue to play this way, I, I just think you're you're setting yourself up for, for marches like this every year. Because every year you're going to be playing in close games and the margins in the NCAA tournament are so thin. The margins are you miss a few free throws, it could cost you a season. You have a turnover at a wrong time, it could cost you a season. And if you're Virginia, you're just never going to do what UCLA did on Thursday, what Alabama did on Thursday, and just smack somebody. You're just never going to come out and beat somebody by 20 points. So listen, Tony Bennett, national champion, no one will take it away. He's a Hall of Famer, probably at some point in his career. But I just, like, I don't know what else to say. For comparison, let me give you a quick stat. How about this? Tony Bennett in the last five NCAA tournaments has won a game in the last, no, 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 I take that back, the last six years, so dating back to 2018, Tony Bennett has won a game in the NCAA tournament one time in terms of NCAA tournaments where he won at least one game, okay? That was 2018, 2019 when they won the national championship. For comparison's sake, Eric Musselman in Arkansas, third straight year they've won at least one game, and for Eric Musselman, fourth time since 2018 that he has won games. Do you know Eric Musselman has actually won more games in the NCAA tournament by a significant margin than Tony Bennett in the last six years since 2018? Eric Musselman's won nine. Tony Bennett's won six. And I could go on and on. I just look at this Virginia team. It is what it is. But to me, they are more defined by... Their, their early tournament losses than by their national championship. So we're going to do take a quick break, come back, react to the rest of the day in college basketball. Just some quick hitters, 10 minutes on everything else that you missed. We're going to take a quick break. Be right back. All right, we're getting back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. It is March. You want to make wagers and there is no better place to make them than at the Betfred Sportsbook, the presenting sponsor of the Aaron Torres pod and all things Aaron Torres media. By now, you know Betfred's story. Started in 1967 in the UK, over 1,600 shops in the UK, and they have come to the United States and made a major splash. They are the presenting sponsor of the Colorado Rockies, Denver Broncos, Cincinnati Bengals, Aaron Torres media. And what I love about Betfred, they do more for their customers than anybody and here's what they're doing for you this March. You can bet $50 on any game this March. Any game. 
and they will give you up to $1,111 in free bets. Here's how it works. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app. Go to betfredsports.com. Make your first $50 wager. You automatically get $111 in free bets. But then how about this? For the first five weeks that you are a Betfred customer, you will be insured for up to $200 for the first five weeks. So you you make a few bets and we're all going to win all our bets this March. But if it doesn't work out, they'll give you up to $200 back for the first five weeks that you're a Betfred customer. So download the Betfred Sportsbook app, bet $50 on any game, 111 in free bets, plus up to $200 in free bets in insurance the first five weeks. That is all you got to do. Betfred Sportsbook, Betfred Sportsbook app. Tell them Torah sent you. Enjoy March, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. All right, everybody. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. I do want to. Switch gears and just tell you about a little bit about the rest of the day that was in college hoops. We'll try to make it quick. We'll try to get out of here. One, because it's like 1.30 a.m. Uh, Eastern time here as I record. My neighbors are going to kill me. That's one. But then two, you guys and girls have a busy day of college hoops to watch today. So I'll try to be quick and I'll try to get out of here. couple results that caught me by surprise. Well, first of all, everything caught me by surprise. My, my bracket is a disaster. But the first one, let me give credit to a team that I don't think anybody ever wants to really give credit to, that's the Duke Blue Devils. I will say that relative to expectations, now one of the few things I got right in my bracket, I did have Duke beating Oral Roberts, but I thought this is a game that could be close, it could be competitive. As you remember, Oral Roberts has lost like one game since the 1st of December or something crazy like that. They lost to New Mexico in a uh, like a last-minute scheduled game. Or Roberts, of course, a few years ago made a deep run in the NCAA tournament in their own right as a 15 seed. And this was one that I thought, look, I, I thought Duke was going to win, but I could see the scenario where things could be competitive, where it could be a close game. Duke playing a bunch of freshmen, a bunch of guys that have never been here before. Uh, yeah, it was not competitive at all. Duke wins by a lot. Listen, I, there's not really much to share from this game. Duke just looked like a team is supposed to look when you're a five seed playing a 12 seed. And when you're a team that, frankly, has been playing better than a five 
over the last couple weeks. Only thing that really stood out, Jeremy Roach, their starting point guard, was phenomenal. I think everybody knows at this point, but he is the one returning player from Duke's national uh, Final Four run a year ago. He was excellent, 23 points in this one, played really well. I thought he distributed the ball really well, and just really a total team effort from Duke, especially on the defensive end. You know, when you have a high-scoring team like Oral Roberts and you hold them to 30% shooting, 25% shooting from three, you have done your job collectively as a group. Duke advances, where they'll play what I think is actually a very interesting game on Saturday against Tennessee. Tennessee, I don't know what else there is to say. They were up by a significant margin against Louisiana. They end up holding on for dear life, getting the win. And it sets up a fascinating matchup. Because on the one hand, yes, I could absolutely see Tennessee getting blown out. It's been an up and down year. Sakai Ziegler's hurt. They barely survived against Louisiana. And it does feel like kind of the vibe and the energy around this program is down. At the same time, if you're Duke, if you're young, if you're, you know, if you're a young team not used to playing in the tournament, what's the worst thing you can run into? A veteran group that's fearless, that plays hard and defends their butt off. Not saying Duke will lose, but I'm just saying that's kind of the recipe for an upset. Now, of course, it's Tennessee and of course it's Rick Barnes. And that's kind of another thought that I have going into Saturday's game between these two teams. Rick Barnes has a, you know, listen, pressure is not the right word. He is who he is at this point. You're not going to change him. The NCAA tournament resume speaks for itself. But you want to get that monkey off your back and you want to get Vol Nation back behind you, go ahead and beat Duke, advance to a Sweet 16. Not saying it will happen, but I certainly think it could as Tennessee beats Louisiana. And I would just say overall, outside of Texas A&M getting smacked by Penn State, pretty good day for the SEC. Auburn really, I thought, dominated Iowa from start to finish. You could argue that Alabama was the most impressive team that played all day on Thursday. Oh, by the way, Arkansas, Eric Musselman's doing it again. He beats Illinois. And so overall, what does the SEC go? Four and one on on Thursday afternoon? Just a really good day for this league overall. And I'll just say from a matchup perspective, I actually like how some things broke for them on Saturday. First, we just talked about Arkansas, and I'll tell you this about Arkansas. Now, listen, I picked Arkansas to lose. I got to take this L. But at the same time, you now look how this sets up. The one thing I did say about Arkansas, I said if they survive Illinois, watch out for that Kansas game. Because one, now Bill Self didn't coach in the opening round in the NCAA tournament. And I think we have to acknowledge Bill Self probably isn't coming back for this NCAA tournament. I just think we have to accept that that's something that probably is not happening at this point. He just had a major heart surgery. Um, I've never coached an NCAA tournament game, but I'd guess it's very stressful. And so at this point, I think we have to assume Bill Self isn't coming back. But even if he does, Kansas, their kryptonite through the years in the NCAA tournament has been these quick, short turnaround games. I mentioned it on Wednesday's show, but they win the national championship last year. But in the previous seven NCAA tournaments before that, six of their losses have come in the short turnaround either in the round of 32, the second round, or in the Elite Eight. Well, this is a round of 32 game, and I would argue that Eric Musselman is as good as anybody on short prep, his NBA background, his CBA background. Listen, having 24 to 36 hours to prepare for a team is like giving most coaches a month. Like, you know, he's used to playing two games in a 12-hour period from his NBA and minor league days. So I'm not necessarily predicting that Arkansas is going to win, but I certainly think it is in the cards. And of course, by the way, if Arkansas wins, 
They would potentially play my alma mater, UConn, in the Sweet 16 in Vegas. No, I will not be able to go if that ends up happening. Let's keep it going because in addition to Arkansas having what I think is a very nice matchup in the round of 32, Auburn all of a sudden I think is a very live dog against Houston. One, it's going to be obviously a pro-Auburn crowd. Game is in Birmingham. I think the committee screwed up really bad, giving Auburn essentially home court advantage in the round of 32. But two, I'll say this for Houston. I don't think that they have the edge that they've had in years past. Now, I picked Houston to win the national championship. I'm an idiot. It's clear. Every pick I made basically was terrible. It was terrible. By the way, I did get Virginia. I think, or I did get uh, Missouri, excuse me. I think I missed earlier when I was talking about the SEC going four and one. They actually went five and one with Missouri. But I bring it up to very simply say that when I look at matchups for Saturday, Auburn in what is basically a home game, they're just as physical, just as tough as Houston. Houston lost their starting guard, Marcus Sasser. He hurt his groin in the conference tournament, re-aggravated in the NCAA tournament. I think that was a colossal mistake by Kelvin Sampson to play that guy. But I'll also say this. I don't think this is the same Houston team that we've seen the last three, four, five years. The thing about Houston through the years was that that team played harder than anybody. Their whole MO was we are just going to go 110 miles an hour all game, every game, and we're just going to beat you up and wear you out. They still play hard, but they don't play with that like kill or be killed attitude. And I think it's going to cost them. I don't know if they lose to Auburn, and they do have a pretty advantageous path. But as a number one seed and who they've been in this tournament, just that that fearless, relentless, aggressive style. I just don't see that from this team anymore. They still play hard. They still go 85, 90%. But what made them so special was that they went 110%. And I don't think they're talented enough to just play as hard as everybody else. I think they had to play that much harder than anybody else. And we don't see that anymore. Wouldn't be surprised if Auburn pulls off the upset on Saturday. I don't think this is the same Houston team. A couple more results from uh, Thursday. One, credit UCLA. You know, listen, when Arizona lost, I all of a sudden reevaluated everything about UCLA. I said, well, wait a second now. If UCLA lost to Arizona and Arizona just lost to Virginia, should I be worried about UCLA? Apparently not. They win by 33 points. Uh, just a complete effort. Four starters and double figures. What was obviously interesting here, no Adem Bona, the star freshman forward. He hurt his shoulder in the Pac-12 tournament. We were told he was going to be able to play in this game. He does not. You wonder if it was Mick Cronin trusting the matchup, but you also wonder if he would potentially be back for the next game. Obviously, UCLA in the second round of this tournament. Uh, UCLA will now have a matchup in the second round, in the round of 32 with Northwestern. Credit Northwestern, by the way. This was one I was just wrong on. I thought Boise was going to win and win that game. Northwestern, their first ever NCAA tournament win. They now get UCLA in the round of 32. And overall, give credit to the Pac-12, or to the Big Ten, excuse me. I thought the Big Ten just played well. You know, Penn State, in a shocking result, just punked Texas A&M final score 76-59 to in that one. Penn State hits 13 three-pointers. Um, Texas A&M has no answers for anything Penn State was doing. The Funk Kid has 27 points on eight three-pointers made. So you talk about a day one superstar that was born, Andrew Funk, 12 points per game he was averaging. He goes for, what do he go for, 27 in this one on eight three-pointers made. Unbelievable effort. 
Penn State now has a second-round matchup with Texas. Tell you what, they play like they did on Thursday. They have a chance to beat Texas. Not saying they will. I think Texas overall looked pretty good. And I think that's basically all of the games. Did not hit on Missouri. They dominated Utah State, one of the few things I got right. San Diego State survives. Very interesting matchup now for San Diego State with Furman. Like them to advance to the Sweet 16 where they would face Alabama. Alabama was dominant as well. But uh, but yeah, I think that's it. I think that's it for today's show. Covered a lot of ground in about 35 minutes, and it is time for me to get out of here because guess what? By the time you guys and girls listen to this, it's almost going to be time for day two. We open on Friday with USC, Michigan State, and then obviously a couple intriguing ones, right? I think NC State, Creighton is interesting. UConn against Iona ends the early session. And then, oh, by the way, Kentucky against Providence. John Calipari's got that monkey on his back. Memphis versus Florida Atlantic. Indiana versus Kent State. TCU versus Arizona State in the final game of the day. All right, I think that's it for this episode of the Air Tour Sports Podcast. I am going to get out of here. I'll just tell you, this will be the last episode until a Sunday recap into Monday. A lot of ground to cover on Sunday's show. And at that point, we will be down to 16 teams in the NCAA tournament. If you're not subscribed to the show, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you're subscribed. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. That is all for today's show. Uh, It's time for me to get out of here. It's time for me to edit and go to bed because I got a big day tomorrow uh, and you guys got a big day of college hoops to watch today. So with that said, have a great night. And with that said, one quick note, shout out to Torncrank. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick, UF head. Unblock me, bro. I will be back on Monday. New episode, Aaron Torres Pod. Everybody have a great day. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.